we're going to be in John 13 today. Now, the context of today, and context is so important, and that's one reason why I like to teach through the, through the Scripture, verse by verse, book by book, um, because context, you get that context, and, and you read it, and, and as you study in different things, you, you start to understand the Jewish mind in certain ways and things that were going on. But uh, the context of today is what we all uh, like to do, because the disciples were finally figuring out who Jesus was. And, um, and, and we don't know if they had it all figured out. Uh, slowly, he kind of revealed different things. You know, before Jesus' death and resurrection, they sort of got it figured out, but not completely. But they're having little conversations and confessions along the way. I mean, you see Peter at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus asked, well, who do people say I am? And some say, oh, you're a good rabbi, you're this, you're that. And, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So they were starting to get little glimpses of it. And even Jesus was impressed by that. And he's like, wow, Peter. I mean, the Holy Spirit had to reveal that to you because I've been around you and I know that you didn't come up with that, you know. So as the disciples were trying to figure out who Jesus was, the results from that sometimes were a little disappointing. And this is where we come in. Because they started jockeying for position. Once they figured out that Jesus was God and Jesus had a throne and he was really going to rule again and reign over the earth, the disciples started figuring that out. And, and they were like, huh, I wonder what position I'll have in that. Where do I fit into that picture? I could be on the cabinet in a sense. I could be prime minister, you know, kind of trying to bring it in today's terms. But, but the Bible even says that James and John, uh, the, the sons of Zebedee, okay, and their mom went to Jesus. These are grown men. And mom is going to go ask them. You know, it's almost like mom's going up and they're like going behind. You know, as little kids almost. But these are grown men. Lord, I have one simple request of you. When you come into your kingdom and sit on your throne, could my sons, James and John, sit on your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom? And I'm sure Jesus is looking at her going, you have no idea, lady. You have no idea. Because in a few days, no one will want to even stand on his right or his left. And even Luke tells us that, that on, the, uh, on the day that, uh, of this, in John 13... That we're about to study, the disciples have been arguing all afternoon about which one of them is greatest in the kingdom. After all the walking with Jesus for three years now, you must wonder did they even get it sometimes? Well, now that you know what they've been doing and what they've been arguing about, let's look into the word this morning. It was just before Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, uh, Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all, the, uh, put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning from God. So he got up from the mill, took, out his outer, uh, took off his outer, outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. 
drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have, uh, who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, as you were clean, though not every one of you. For he knew, he was go- uh, knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on clothes and returned to, the, to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things... You will be blessed if you do them. So let's stop and and let's think about and look at this dinner. It's a very simple thing that Jesus does, yet it's very profound. Uh, We hope that we would understand it. We hope that we would get it. But we sometimes are, are no different than the disciples, wouldn't you say? I would agree with that. We walk with Jesus for years, and sometimes we just don't get it. We talk to him about it. We even, you know, somebody teaches, we take notes, we talk a little bit more. But in reality, Jesus lays it out so simple. And what do we do with it? Oftentimes we complicate it. But Jesus says, you will be blessed if you do these things. So what did he do? Well, the other gospel writers tell us that Jesus, you know, had arranged the meal. Uh, Usually other people went ahead of Jesus and, and prepared all this ahead of time for him. But on this occasion, Jesus made the plans. And, and out of his heart of love, he wanted it to be special. He knew this was going to be uh, uh, the last meal that they were going to have together. But he also set up a location that Judas didn't know about. Because Judas had already accepted 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. He had it in his pocket, in a sense. He literally might have even had it in his coin purse there that night. So Jesus wanted this night to be uninterrupted. Therefore, he, you know, he plans a place that they'd never been to before. Because he knew the chief priests were looking to arrest him. They told Judas, hey, as soon as you find out a good place that he's going to be, that we can come in and arrest him without causing a problem, tell us. Here's the money. And he accepted that. So Jesus didn't let them know where they were going. So when they arrived and the smells are coming from the kitchen and, and they gather at the door and it's a custom that a servant or the youngest child of the household would be there at the door with a wash basin and a towel. And they would say a blessing on you and sometimes anoint your head with oil. But they would wash your feet. I mean, think about it. Most of Israel was dusty and hot. 
They would give you a cool drink, but most importantly, they would wash your feet. It was either the child or the servant. They would literally bend down and undo your sandals and begin to wash your feet because your feet were the dirtiest part of your body. They didn't wear socks like most people do today. Now, me excluded there. I don't wear socks most of the time. I have my flip-flops on, you know? But they, you know, uh, their main transportation of the day was what? Horses and donkeys and their feet walking around everywhere. And the horses and donkey on the dirt roads would leave little presents on the street for everyone to enjoy, right? (laughs) So by the time you get to somebody's house, what did you need to do? You needed to wash your feet. I mean, it was a hygienic thing to do. And this was a good thing because the tables were low and you would kind of put your feet around behind and you would incline toward the table. So somebody else's, you know, head and upper body would be somewhere, you know, your feet would be right behind them as you all sat down and ate. But here they arrive. No one's at the door to do this. I can imagine the thoughts going through the, the disciples' head, Right? I knew I should have made the arrangements. I should have pressed him on this because, I mean, I always do. I mean, I knew he would forget something. Next time, I just need to give him a checklist. Anybody do a checklist? No one, but okay, a few hands. I'm a checklist person. I got an app on my phone, and I have like 157 checklists in it, okay? And do I use them? Yes, I do. Ask my wife. It bugs the heck out of her, okay? She's a paper and pen person. You know, I'm like a phone person, you know. Should have just given him the checklist. I guess one of us should, you know, step up and help. I wonder if they even teased him a little bit about it. We don't really even know. Or they might have picked up on on the heavy heart that Jesus had already had and the burden of the last few days. So they just kind of gave him a, a little bit of grace, a little bit of slack and said, well, I guess we won't wash our feet tonight. No big deal. And then they go, oh, what, what was that you stepped in? You're, you're going to sit on the other side of the table, not near me, okay? You know, who knows what was going on? Jesus hadn't lined up a servant. But at the same time, he thought he had 12 servants. When you spend the afternoon arguing about who is the greatest, you really don't think it's your job to be the one to wash the feet, Right? I mean, the basin and towel were there, but no one, you know, Jesus didn't go into another room and grab it. It was sitting there all throughout the dinner unused. And John gives us this this interesting framework. He doesn't say Jesus looked around and said, well, if no one else wants to do it, I guess I'll do it. Doesn't say it like that. He just got up. It says that he knew who he was, knew what was going to happen, knew where he was headed. He knew all these things, and they were placed under his feet, in a sense. John says this right before Jesus washes his feet. He goes on and says, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus you know, he, 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 Jesus, knowing all this, gets up. And it says, so he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
He basically took the appearance of the lowly servant. He took the role of a servant. He did the work of a servant. This just wasn't theater. He went around the room and washed each one of their feet. Now, it would have been easier if they had done this a little earlier, right? When everybody's standing at the door. Oh, here, let me take off my, my sandal here. Okay, wash my foot. But now they're all reclining. They're all sitting down at the table. They're not at the door. And now you have the Son of God. You have the creator of the world crawling around going, Hey, guys, I need to, here, here, could you put your foot out just a little bit more? Okay, could, could, let, me, let me take off that shoe real quick. I wonder if they're looking around just kind of not saying anything. They knew that Peter would eventually, you know, put his foot in his mouth, <laughs> literally and figuratively, you know. And sure enough, he gets to Peter. I wonder if Peter was the first one or the middle one or the last one. You know what I mean? They gets to Peter. My other question was, when did he wash Judas' feet? The one that was going to betray him. He knew that Judas was going to betray him, and yet he still washed his feet. So how, you know, you have to get into the middle of the story. How long does it take to wash 12 men's feet? What do you think? Three to five minutes per person? So anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour of washing people's feet? I mean, you could imagine this is kind of uncomfortable. Did they even figure out why he was doing it or what he was doing? And you know, Peter was thinking, when he gets to me, I'm going to say something to him. I'm going to say something. This has gone too far. And G Jesus gets to him, and Peter is trying to tuck his feet in. You know what I mean? Just kind of like hide his feet a little bit, I guess, or something like that. He's not going to let Jesus do this. And finally, Jesus just grabs his feet and drags them out. And Peter says, Lord, you are not going to wash my feet. Almost as if it was backwards. Peter you will understand later. Just let me do this. Peter replies, you shall never wash my feet. Never, never. I know who you are. I figured it out. It's totally inappropriate for you to be kneeling and washing my feet. Peter can't stand what Jesus is doing here. And the reason he can't stand it is because how he views Jesus, which is a good thing, the way he views him. Jesus, come on, I've studied all the religion, and God does not come down on earth and wash people's feet. I mean, do I need to give you a lesson about being God? People are supposed to be afraid of you. People are supposed to put fruit bowls in front of you. People are supposed to crawl on their knees toward you. People are supposed to serve you. And then maybe in all of your godliness, you might be gracious and do something for them. But this, Lord, this is too much. You can imagine the lecture. I mean, this comes across a very kind of lecturing way. And it's not the first time. And from a world's perspective, you know what? Peter's right. What other religion would you find God doing this type of stuff? What other religion would your God actually die for them? He says to Peter, unless I wash your feet, 
You have no part of me, none whatsoever. So what does Peter do? He swings the pendulum, right? Goes from no washing feet to wash everything. You know, I mean, this is Peter. I love it. He's like, okay, bath time, you know. It's like a seven-year-old in a sense. I can almost see the Lord rolling his eyes a little bit with Peter. The last three years have been a bath for you, man. You're already clean, he says. You just need to wash the grime today off your feet. So Jesus does this thing, and Peter lets him do it. And after he washed the feet, John tells us that he got back up, put the basin away, and put the towel away. And he grabs his outer robe, puts it back on, and everyone is happy because things smell a lot better. But they're really feeling weird about it. And then he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, should, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, if you take notes about this, write down, you will be blessed if you do them. That is very important. I mean, do is a very complicated word, isn't it? I mean, what exactly do you mean by that, Lord? I mean, this could mean a lot of things. It could mean, you know, I mean... You will be blessed if you do them. So I'll be blessed if I wash feet? Well, yes. Jesus is telling them, until you do this, there are things that you won't understand. Blessed means happy. Blessed means peace within yourself. You will not be at peace with yourself unless you wash a bunch of feet, especially at these people, you know, as these people sit around the table and everybody there, you will not, or you will be totally happy if you adopt this kind of lifestyle. Now, what's funny to me is Peter, as much as he protests, he didn't ask for the bowl and say, let me do it for you. Anytime during that period, he could have said, Lord, you don't need to be doing this. Let me let me do it. He did, none of them did that, at least that we know of. It's not written down. He just says, Lord, stop doing that. We've already voted. We're just going with their dirty feet tonight, okay? I mean, I get the feeling Lord is saying, okay, Peter, then wash my feet. He would have done that. I wonder if Peter would have, would have asked to wash Christ's feet. But what, is, what would Jesus have said? Mine aren't dirty, but Matthew's are. Wash his instead. I mean, who knows? Now, the other thing I see here is because there's so much application here. The Lord didn't say, okay, wash. Everybody wash your own feet. He didn't say, everybody get a basin. Everybody get a towel. Start washing your own feet. That way, no one has to be embarrassed about what they stepped in. You know, 
Instead, they do this nervous group activity. You know, this is a great crowd breaker. Bring it out the next time you have guests over for Christmas or something, right? No, Jesus goes around and washes their feet. And what is fascinating is on this very night, there are two million people packed into Jerusalem. And he's not concerned about their feet. There's four million thirty feet. I mean, that'd be a long night of washing, wouldn't it be? I mean, you could just see the foot washing meetings going on. I mean, this would take about three weeks to coordinate it all. No, what, what is Jesus saying? I'm going to wash your feet, and when you're together, I want you to do the same. Now, in their context, the Lord literally meant wash each other's feet. Now, what's interesting is there's no record that they ever did this. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but it's not written down. The next time they gathered together, did they even think about this? Because so much happens on this weekend to the Lord. Did they even think about it? Maybe they did. We just don't know their attitudes toward one another um, at this point, but we know that they did change a little bit afterward. Now, in the 21st century concept, or 22nd, I don't know what century we're in now. Um, You know, I, I don't think... He wants us to sit around and literally wash each other's feet. I don't think that's what we're talking about. But this would be a good object lesson. I mean, the reason why I say that is is our feet are pretty clean compared, right? But what is the real thing? What is the Lord saying? Why are they washing each other's feet? What's literally coming off their feet into the basin? Dirt, amongst other things. I mean, we could get really graphic. All the donkey, yeah. All the horse stuff. I mean, it was gross. It was on every ta- every street in every town in Israel. Now, is that something you would bring around a table that you're fixing to eat with? Does that smell, you know? Compliment the mill. <laughs> I mean, that's what Jesus was washing off their feet. And then he says, this is what I want you to do. Why don't you do that to each other now? So I sat with this during this week, and Paul says to us later, do not think yourself more highly than you ought. Hmm. Do these things. What would he do? Well, in context of John 13, I would wash feet. So over the years, we come to the conclusion, Lord, washing feet is, is really not my gifting. You know, we, we, if you've ever gone to a larger church, they have these, uh, and we've even done it here from time to time, and learn your, your spiritual gift and your gifting, and what are you good at? What has is, what is the Lord given you to, to be able to serve other people? And, and, and I don't ever see foot washing on the list. You know what I'm saying? I'm actually gifted at spotting dirty feet. I can point them out a mile away. You know, that's my gift. I mean, brother, you have sin in your life. You have grime in your life. I can smell it from up here. Get down there and clean those feet. But the Lord tells us, I didn't call you to be dirty feet spotters. There's people that have dirty feet, 
And guess what? If you have dirty feet, you already know it. If you have sin in your life, you already know it. Now, there's times for us as brothers and sisters of Christ to, to lovingly, 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 lovingly go to somebody and say, your decision-making process right now is, is really not the greatest. Let me help you. Let me be here for you. What do you need? Let me guide you. Let me be your friend. And it seems like some of those people we do this over and over with, you know, and we got to stick with it. It's irritating, right? Anybody else get irritated with that? Just the pastor. Okay. <laughs> but the Lord tells us, we, you know, they already know their feet are dirty. I've, you know, I called you to, to become like me, so you're going to wash their feet instead of just pointing it out to them. So our response is either, okay, I can do that for a while, or, you know, I did that when I first started serving, but I'm kind of beyond that now. Because, you know, that's for, for pastors or staff members or elders, you know. It, it's good for them to do those things. And the Lord speaks to our heart and says, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, I did this at the very end of my ministry. This is one of the last things I did before I went to my father. This is when my ministry was completely matured. This is when I started washing feet. I took all my knowledge, I took all my power that was under his feet in a sense, and what did I do? I washed people's feet with it. That's how invested I am. But Lord, that's an incredible waste of time. Somebody else can wash feet. Well, that's true, but guess what? No one else did. No one else did. But Lord, there's plenty of people. Everything gets done, Lord. I show up and it was done. So I know someone does it. So the Lord starts to deal with our hearts and he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do them, you will be blessed. You know, I have people... In this church, when they see a person in need, they will come to me and they'll give me a check and say, would you write a check from the church to them? Because, you know, I, I, I don't want my name to be attached to it. I don't want them to know it's for me. I mean, that's really cool, right? When we do these things, what does it make you? Well, part of a feet washer. But you know what else it makes you? attractive to the world. When we take care of each other, it makes us attractive to the world. Now there's times when we take care of each other. There's times when we take care of people who don't even go here. You know, we just had the funeral for, for Another church that came in here because it's a little larger and all that. And we, you know, allowed them to use our facility and, and all that kind of stuff. Why did we do that? That's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to be feet washers. I wasn't doing that for a pat on the back or for somebody to say, oh, Alan, he's just so great over there. No, I want to be attractive to the world. And that means how we treat each other is, makes a difference. We need to get to a point where we are attractive. Look at each other and say, you can be attractive. 
Oh, a couple of people. I heard it. Come on. You can be attractive. See, there you go. Thank you. Now, some people say, well, Alan, you could be attractive. You, you lost a lot of weight. That's not what I'm talking about, though I'm working on that, okay? But what I'm talking about is being attractive to the world for the glory of God. That's what it's about. This is so opposite of Revelations where he says, you're not going to be with me. Why? Because you were neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. So I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus wants us to be attractive and do the things that he showed us to do. I want the Lord to look at Valley Christian and keep saying, I want you to be hot, not lukewarm. Don't just talk. Wasn't that a great study on the feet washing? So inspiring. You know, he's just such a great teacher. Oh, wait, no, 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 okay. You know, don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. But we need to be about the doing part. I know that many of us are sitting there and the Lord may be prompting us and, you know, okay, well, well now, you know, now you, you got to do what the Lord prompts you to do, whatever it is. You got to consider it. You got to think about it. You got to continue to think, how should I do this now? Because the Lord wants us to be attractive. And the number one way to introduce Jesus to people is to not go scream on a street corner. No, the number one way is to act like Jesus. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, to act like Jesus. Now, does that mean be a doormat? Well, sometimes Jesus, it seemed like he was a doormat. You've got to figure out with the Lord, Lord, do I say something here or do I just let this one go by and let them just run right over me? You've got to figure that out. Sometimes Jesus went, oh, wait a second, let me tell you the truth. Truth with grace, okay? Other times he said, hmm, okay, we're just going to let this one go. I'm just going to dust the, you know, knock the dust off my feet and all that. You know, we've talked about different stuff like that. But we need to stop preaching to people, uh, you know, uh, just when they are around. Uh, we need to get them to the point where we're serving people and they feel all clean when they're around you and they can't figure out why. And then you point them to God. That's how you bring people to Jesus. The goal of serving is to be thinking like this. Everyone else's needs before mine. And that's a hard one, right? That's a hard one. Everyone else's needs before mine. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that while we were looking out for our own needs, we need to also look out for the needs of others to the point it becomes second nature. Jesus figured out what they really needed at that moment. It wasn't hard to figure out. All you had to do is this. Yeah, we need the feet washed. He didn't give them a bath. They didn't need that. And to the church, he says, what is needed around here? Who needs my help? And it comes down to a commitment on our part. Did you notice it where it says that not all were clean? Now, is that Jesus' fault? No. He said, oh, wait, you, you were all clean. Oh, wait, no, not all. Judas had already made that decision 
to, you know, uh, what was going on there and uh, to, to not let the Lord meet his needs. You know, sometimes we're just stubborn, aren't we? Anybody else? I, I can be stubborn. We can just be stubborn to the point where we won't let the Lord wash our feet. I mean, thank God Peter allowed it. As we, we wrap up this, this, you know, Gospel of John in the next 20 weeks or so, but, you know, as we get to the last week of Christ's uh, life, you will see uh, a lot of corollaries between Judas and Peter. You know, Peter often did the wrong thing first, right? He just was one of these guys, he would just, you know, it's like he busts into the room and, and he just, he sees what's going on and he immediately makes a decision. But he always came around. Judas did the wrong thing and he never comes around. Judas does the wrong thing and never asks for forgiveness where Peter does. That's the only difference. Peter spends the rest of his life in this do mode. And I just think it's so cool that Jesus takes this whole lesson that nobody else would do and says, now adopt a role of a servant. And that's what he calls us to do. And, and do you know, what, what he, you know when he calls us to do this? Every single day of our lives. Right now. And how I want to end this is like this. I want you to visualize or think about a person that God wants you to serve. And it may not be the first person that comes to your mind, okay? So this week, start thinking about it. Keep thinking. Now, some of us would be like, no, 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 uh-uh, not that person. Their feet are too dirty. But if the Lord keeps putting them on your mind, then that's the person. Now, chances are, whoever you're thinking of, their feet are dirty, right? Do you know why? Because all our feet are dirty when it comes to sin, What's sad is when we as Christians act like our feet aren't dirty at all. Because we end up faking it at that point. Everybody's just fine. Everybody's fine. But we're thinking, what is that smell? I don't know. Did you, do you, you know what that was? I was sitting over a friend of mine's uh, house yesterday and kids were swimming in the pool. And, and ever so often he'd be like, man, what is that smell? And they were talking about, I mean, we have rats here in Tulare, right? You know, and he has this fence and they would go along the fence and he, he told his pest guy and his pest guy was like, well, rats are everywhere. And he's like, well, put out some traps. I don't want them near me, you know. Well, apparently one of the traps, one of the rats was in the trap and I wasn't smelling it, but he was. And then finally the wind hit the right direction. I went, yeah, you're right. That's something dead, you know. But we act like, oh, I don't smell anything. I don't smell anything at all. But our feet are dirty. What is really cool is when we get to a point when we're hanging out and we say, you know what? I got the world's grime on me. Could you help me get it off? Could you pray with me? Could you, could you uh, be with me? Could, you, could I come and have a conversation with you? Could we just talk about this? Maybe give me some advice? So how do we wash the grime off of someone who is on your heart? Well, you got to figure out how you're going to wash the world off them.
Maybe that's through a conversation. Maybe that's through actually doing something for them. Taking care of them in some way. You know, when we wash them, oftentimes they won't even realize that they've been washed until later on. The person walks away from you going, I I don't understand it, but I just feel a little better now. I feel better from being with you. And that leads to them wanting to be around you more. Who wants to be around a person that's always critiquing them, always belittling them, Always kind of putting them down. Anybody want to be around that person? Who wants to be around a person who, who compliments you or, or is nice to you, is gracious to you? It's like the Lord's grace goes before them in the middle of the conversation. Anybody want to be around that person? Yeah, we all do, right? That's who we need to be. What if your agenda is that you just want to be a servant? Just want to be a servant to the world. For God's sake, for the glory of God. That's what we're about. That's what we should be about. That's what Jesus says. You will be blessed if you do these things. And if we allow it, the Lord will make good on the things that we do to the point that you will excel at being a servant and it will make a difference in your life and make a difference in the kingdom of God. And the Lord will use you in unbelievable ways. And then all of a sudden, out of your phone, out of your mouth, comes the words of the Lord, right? We can either do damage with our words, or we can repair with our words. And when the Lord's involved, He repairs. He doesn't damage, right? Well, I'm out of town. Uh, out of town. My mind's out of town. Going on vacation in a couple of weeks, so um, I'm out of time. So why don't we pray? Why don't you stand, and the worship team will come up, and Kenny will finish us up, uh, and uh, Addie and Rob with one last song. So let's pray. Lord, so many times we want to be a servant of yours, and, and we don't even understand what it means or don't even know how or, or with who. We pray that you guide us in that that you help us see the joy of serving, the joy of being used by you. And though it's hard work, Lord, we know that, that, it's, that, it, that it has a purpose, and that purpose is glorifying God. And the kingdom of, uh, of God improves with that. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May he guide you when you serve. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.